Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking movies, TV, comics, and more. Join in the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken. I'm joining me in studio. As always, you know him. He is the co-host. He is sometimes known as the plug. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have so much to talk about in the land of movies, TV, comics, and more. So definitely join in the conversation on social media. You can find all of our links at OchoDuroParleyHour.com. Join in on Facebook. Join in on Twitter. Join in on Instagram. Join in on Podchaser. Drop that five-star review while you're there. Apple Podcasts, wherever you find great podcasts, such as the one you're listening to right now. And always remember to use the hashtag ODPH. And why did I refer to Pad as the plug? Shout out to Dre Driven because he gave Pad that nickname. Because Pad did a monumental feat this past week. Mm-hmm. And Pad, I will not steal your thunder. I'm giving you all the praise. So is a lot of the independent podcast community that follows us on here. What did you do, my friend? Uh, I called and correctly, I don't, I don't want to say predicted, but I, I kind of broke the news even before anybody major on Twitter that I follow. Nobody I follow said anything. But I guess we could say, kind of say, that unless proven otherwise, and please, hashtag ODPH if, if this isn't true. We were the first ones to say that the WandaVision trailer would be coming out uh, on Sunday. Right. Pad called his shot. He had a feeling, and he stuck to his guns, and he placed a tweet out and hinted that WandaVision was finally dropping. The Mm long-awaited MCU Disney Plus show post-Endgame. It's been one of the most hyped-up shows that we have been hearing about. Yep. We finally got some content from the MCU. It's been a while. Obviously, yeah. 2020 is yeah. 2020. Yeah. Enough said there. We don't got to dwell on it. Right. But we finally get the return from the Avengers, so to speak. And before we get into the trailer, and I, you know, you know, I know people were probably expecting more before we got the trailer. And, oh, why is it taking so long? Something must be wrong with the show. You know, let me just kind of quell those fears. From what I've heard, nothing's wrong. Everything is fine. I won't go into specifics, but the reason the trailer took so long is probably the most stupid reason in the on the planet. Hmm. Uh, you know, it, it just comes down. Let me just say this. It just comes down to font. And, and that's about all I'm going to say. You know, it's it, there were no reshoots were needed. Nothing was wrong. Nothing had to get scrapped. Hmm. It, it's the dumbest reason in the world. But, you know, in the in the industry, I get it. But, you know, yeah, no, I got tipped off a little bit that it was going to be coming. Uh, and so, yeah, we, uh, ended up being right. Yeah, Pat has been two for two this year because he did call about the Mandalorian getting dropped mm-hmm. as well. Yep. So, like we say, if you're not following ODPH on Twitter, you need to. And we have Pad's link right there for his Twitter handle. You can definitely follow him. He's always dropping hot knowledge on you. Mm-hmm. And he definitely delivered on this because we are going to deep dive into – the WandaVision trailer, give you our takes on it. So we are giving you fair warning now. We like to give you warnings because if you don't want to get spoiled and you're trying to wait till the show comes out, I give you credit for doing it, but we are going to start talking them spoilers in three, in two, in one. Pad, what did you think? This trailer was honestly a trip, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but it was amazing, and I loved it. 
it was absolutely as bonkers as I wanted it to be because dealing with the Scarlet Witch, played mm-hmm. by Elizabeth Olsen, you never know what you're going to get out of that character. She is polarizing in certain degrees. She has one of the most powerful characters in all of Marvel Comics and thus the MCU. Mm-hmm. We know that she came in and wrecked shop at the end of Infinity War slash Endgame. Yep. We know what she's capable of. And obviously dealing with the ramifications of the Battle of Thanos, we know that she's not in a good place right now. No. The Vision, played by Paul Bettany, was killed off as Mm -hmm. far as we know at the end of Infinity War. He did not come back with the snap to our knowledge. So thus when we heard about this show, we were all speculating, okay, what's going to be the future? Because if you've been a longtime reader of Marvel Comics and the Avengers – you know that there is a romance between the Vision and Scarlet Witch. Mm -hmm. It's comics. It's weird. Yeah. Just roll with it. Yeah. So thus, we knew when the show was getting announced that, okay, we're going to get the Vision and Scarlet Witch paired off, and what story were we going to get? And that is the ultimate question here because Mm -hmm. this trailer gave a lot of possibilities. Sure. A ton of Easter eggs. Yeah. And how it starts off is a throwback to the 1950s, 60s era of television. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by this, you have your Ozzy and Harriet type, your Leave it to Bieber, your uh, Beaver, rather, I should say, not Bieber. Oh, oh, hey. But hey, that would be a hell of a show. Yeah, it would. But you get back to the wholesome family. Say, I Love Lucy. Television, yeah, I Love Lucy vibe to it. This is where you open up with. And as you see, it's like everything's fine. There's a nice little song that's playing Mm -hmm. as you're seeing the car is driving and it's just married. Yeah. And you're seeing the honeymoon phase between the Vision and Scarlet Witch. Mm -hmm. And you're really kind of going, okay, well, it seems like they're super happy. What's going on? You see the Scarlet Witch is using her powers, so to speak. And she's doing some manipulating as well, which is kind of interesting to see because they didn't really delve into it as much. And they really kind of danced around a little bit. And that's kind of like a new thing with her powers that we haven't seen, at least on, in the films. Because prior to that, it's just kind of been like tossing stuff around and, and kind of force blasts and, and just kind of like your average stuff you would expect. But this, to my knowledge, is the first time that we've seen her on screen. And, and we see it in a greater detail later in the trailer where she's actually changing things. Yes, where she changes at one point the Vision's appearance, where he yeah. goes from his robotic face into the normal human face, mm-hmm. which I think is just kind of a telling point of, okay, what is going on here? Nothing really is as it seems. So as the trailer is progressing, though, you're seeing that she's running into neighbors and they're having a house dinner. And this is the one scene that I think is catching most everybody's attention mm-hmm. from the Internet. Mm-hmm. Now, Pad, do you want to break this down? Uh, why don't you? Okay. So this is where you're seeing Wanda and Vision are hosting uh, neighbors, shall we say, at a dinner party. Mm -hmm. And you're seeing that there is a bottle of wine being levitated. Yep. And if you speak French, it's Maison de Mépris. Mm -hmm. And that means House of Contempt. Yep. And the internet is running a little wild with the idea that it is also representing House of M. Yeah, because if you you don't translate the last word it just is house of mepri or just house of m yes because there is a big old m on that bottle there is and this is definitely a point that we definitely have to address because if you're not familiar with the house of m storyline it's a big one it is a big one it is where the scarlet witch more or less goes a little bit crazy and re 
envisions, no pun intended, the Marvel Universe. She makes uh, Doctor Strange a psychologist. Yeah, Magneto is running the world. It's a wild story. And how it ends is the de-evolution of mutants. In fact, she utters three words, no more mutants. And the mutant race is uh, basically wiped off the planet of the Marvel Universe. It's a wild story. It's worth a read if you haven't checked it out. But to see it get translated here, I know this is speculating a lot. And I think with right cause, too. Yeah. I don't think that they do anything like this without no. really expecting something to happen no. here. So as this is going on, we're definitely going to keep mentioning about why House of M might be interpreted here yeah. and what this means for the face. Because well, like you said, that's not just something they throw in there as an Easter egg for the fans. Mm-hmm. That, you know, if, if it's like a casual mention or like something from, you know, their their co- her comic history or like, you know, just one of her former villains or something like that's one thing. Yeah. But when you're mentioning one of the biggest X-Men stories of like the last, you know, 25 years that you're not just doing that for Easter eggs. Right. So as we see that they're having dinner with Mr. and Mrs. Hart, as I'm reading off IMDb, and they're getting questioned about like, oh, how long have you been married? And, and just basic yeah. small talk. Yeah. And the vision cannot answer. Paul Bettany is playing this up very well that he is either having a malfunction mm-hmm. or he just can't answer the question. It t- see, and to me, I didn't realize that or kind of get that vibe off it the first couple times I watched the trailer. I got the vibe that he didn't want to say. Mm-hmm. Like, like he paused and at least to me, it kind of felt like, oh, I think what my wife means is, oh, I, sh- I shouldn't say that. Yes. So it's very interesting to see how this plays off, because what is going on is the Scarlet Witch, you're thinking, is trying to hide the fact that everything is not as it seems, that, mm-hmm. the, that the great moment between Vision and Scarlet Witch and the happy ever after is just fake. Mm-hmm. As they're getting pressured, you're just seeing them kind of look at each other. And then you see... Like, flashes like a TV channel is losing its signal. Right. And then it shows at one point the table is empty, so were they even there at all? And this kind of is an underlying theme as it's going through. You're seeing a rewind of the television. You're seeing that, obviously, there is a transition happening. Mm -hmm. And as the trailer is progressing, you're seeing that the Scarlet Witch and Vision, who started out in a black and white uh, television screen, is now turning into color. And you're seeing them slowly transition into the technicolor phase of television, shall mm-hmm. we say. The vision is seeing, okay, well, I'm coming to life. And you're seeing them go through, I want to say this is like television history. Yeah. Because you just keep seeing references, at least I do, yeah. with, for example, Family Ties from the yeah. 1980s. Yeah. You're seeing the Brady Bunch a little bit. Here. Yeah, I got that vibe. Yeah, you're seeing how they're, evol- they're going through evolution. They're going through decades. Mm-hmm. And you're also seeing a character hang around to as a neighbor, as a friend, and that is one Agnes, who I am also saying is Agatha Harkness. Yeah, I've heard that name thrown around a lot. Yes, and she has been a mother figure, so to speak, at times to the Scarlet Witch. She has been, like I would say, more or less a frenemy. You're mm-hmm. seeing Catherine Hahn, who's playing her, and her history is definitely one that is going to play a big part mm-hmm. into how... Wanda is going to survive this because obviously she is an antagonist in this role. Right. And you're going to see that she is working for somebody because it doesn't seem like she's doing it on her own, but she is still hanging around there. Right. And as you're seeing the trailer go on, you're noticing the vision is flying overhead Mm -hmm. of the city they're in. And you're also seeing that everything is paused and that everything is frozen. Yeah. Even to the point where Agnes is in a car. Yeah. 
and Vision has to actually tap her head to like reenactivate her. Well, yeah, and it's weird because like she's sitting in a car in a, in a witch's Halloween costume outfit, mm-hmm. and she's just deadpan staring straight in front of her, hands on the steering wheel, just like this blank look on her face. And then he Vision comes up to the car, and he's kind of like, you know, what the heck is going on here? Touches, like you said, touches her head. You see like little yellow arcs of like circuitry go through her head, and then she goes, ah. she goes, where am I? Am I dead? And, and Vision goes, no. Why would you think that? Because you are. Yeah, which I thought was such a weird comment uh-huh. to say. Yeah. But I do love the fact that they did because now you're kind of going, okay, what is going on here? Yeah. Because the vision, as we said before, is presumed dead at this point. We don't know what exactly reality they are in. Right. And I think it's a brilliant play on it, too, because as he's sitting there trying to figure out what's going on, it is almost like in, when Wolverine was in House of M, mm-hmm. that he's the only one that knows, okay, something is not right here. Right. And I, I, I can't really say it. Right. But it's definitely not right. And the and I'm kind of thinking that, obviously, going through time, this would appear that it's in maybe the late 80s, early 90s phase of television. Mm. The only thing I can think of is that, you know, Wanda is have whether she kn- consciously knows it or subconsciously is doing, because I know that uh, theory has been thrown about online that, like, her subconscious is doing this and her subconscious kind of grows its own legs and runs with this. Um I would imagine that if she's consciously doing this and, and like if, if she's doing this just to kind of keep up a phase and she's messing with forces that really ought, ought not to be messed with in bringing him back to life in some capacity mm-hmm. that it's taking a strain on everything from bringing him there and keeping him there and keeping his me- and if his memories ended up being messed with so he can't remember he's supposed to be dead on top of the fact that she's trying to move things through various timelines that like it's adding up a strain on her. And then eventually she's going to start slipping up, and that's when we start seeing Vision going, okay, wait a minute, something's not quite right here. Yeah, which Vision is playing this very well. I said Paul Bettany is doing an excellent job trying to play the man out of time, so Mm -hmm. to speak. And this show thus far is tying in a lot of different comic storylines. You're seeing a little bit from the Avengers Disassembled Mm -hmm. story that happened. Uh, You're seeing a lot of House of M that's getting hinted about. You're also seeing maybe just a, a touch of the Tom King Vision comic that came out a few years back. Yeah. There's so many elements going on here, but one thing that I have to really stress is you have to look for the Easter eggs if you're a longtime Marvel fan because at one point you're assuming that this is around Halloween. Yep. And you're seeing the Vision in his original costume mm-hmm. from the 1960s. Which is a nice homage. Yeah, it, it's a brilliant homage that you're seeing that because when the Vision came out in 1968, you're seeing how they, it was kind of the cloak suit, and it just mm-hmm. kind of has evolved over time in yeah. the 70s. You also see a quick glimpse of Elizabeth Olsen in the original Scarlet Witch costume as well. Which is funny, because when she was cast, she was told she'd never have to wear that costume. Yeah. But, hey, here we are. Yeah, and it's just kind of interesting to see how they're playing that off. So I, I think it's kind of a brilliant yeah. thing they're just kind of dressing up as that. Yeah. But as the trailer is going on, too, you're also seeing Wanda mess around with the televisions around, and she's mm-hmm. warping reality. Which we'll she say is, there at one point she changes the furniture. Uh, in the living room that like it floats up into the air and then it kind of just kind of like almost fades out of existence but then kind of comes back and it's in it's what would be considered modern then yes so it's kind of a little brilliant take that okay we're jumping around decades so what does this all represent what does this all mean we don't know yet no but it is a very interesting look at what is going on through the head of the of wanda Mm -hmm. and then we quick fast forward to there's a character that you're seeing getting thrown through time yep and it's definitely going through different time periods, and we don't exactly know where. But as it winds up being, we see the first introduction of 
Monica Rambeau, mm-hmm. who the is the modern version. The modern version. As we saw, she was a child in Captain Marvel, but now we see the modern version played by Tiana Paris. It's like 30 years have gone by. Yes. And you see that she wakes up in a field surrounded by sword agents. Presumably. Presumably, but I think it's a safe bet to say that it is them. So, Pad, what is SWORD to our listeners? Uh, SWORD is the organization offshoot of S.H.I.E.L.D. that we saw teased at the end of, what was it, Captain Marvel, I mm-hmm. believe? Yep. Yeah, so uh, could be seen, and, you know, they are in there, you know, as we said, they are teased at the end of Captain Marvel. I know that there was the uh, beeper that... Uh, Nick Fury used at the end of oh what was Infinity it? War Infinity War that he called uh, Captain Marvel with had somebody auctioned it off recently uh, and on the and of course because of auctioning it off I had to take pictures of the whole thing the back of it did say sword yeah. so you know it is a thing it is in the it is in the canon in the in the movie so we could be starting to see the fruits of that labor uh, show up which would make a lot of sense too. I think that they have to really implement what they're going to do with Sword because if they're the yeah. extraterrestrial version of Shield, and you have introduced scrolls into the universe, mm-hmm. what does this all mean, especially with Scarlet Witch? So you got scrolls involved. You've got the folks who from Guardians of the Galaxy two. I forget their names that are real pissed off. Oh, um, with the Adam or what the heck? What the heck is in Gold Adam, dude? Yes, yeah. Um, it, it's that obscure alien race. Yeah, they're 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 pissed off. You know, you got to figure the the Nova Corps. You, you Nova Corps been referenced. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's there's enough extraterrestrial things that aren't Guardians of the Galaxy or uh, Chitari that are making some noise. Yeah, and especially too that you with Monica Rambeau getting introduced as well. If you know her in the comics, at one point she had the mantle of Captain Marvel. Right. Obviously a different origin than the one that we know with as Carol Danvers. She's also gone through different monikers uh, for titles. Uh, mm-hmm. She was known as Photon at one part, uh, Pulsar at another. Yeah. So she's definitely a character that has been around the Avengers history. Is a great character as well, so I'm happy to see her get introduced this week. Yeah. And just to kind of tie up even what's going on, how the the trailer ends, is you just see them all winding up. It's almost like a 50s sitcom. They're just sitting back and having a smiling moment as everything fades away. Overall, the trailer gave a lot of Easter eggs, Mm -hmm. a lot, that even to digest. I know that Dre was even pointing out, and a few other of our listener friends, uh, was mentioned about the bull picture on the wall. Right. Now, I know that there is a rumor going around of who that is. It's allegedly Bova, mm-hmm. which is connected to the High Evolutionary, who right. does have a little connection with Wanda. That's not all the realm of thought. No. So I don't know exactly what to take that is. I think for overall, this is Wanda's head and how everybody's living in it. Yeah. And it's kind of a weird place, but hey, it's comics. Yeah, it's comics, and it's and it's great that they can do this with this character because their hands were kind of tied when they introduced the character back in Age of Ultron because, hey, you know half the the rights and half this most of the stuff to her character were over in another uh, movie studio mm-hmm. but now that it's all you know almost all of it up universal thing in sony you know hold their ball of wax you know but now in terms of wanda and her storyline and her her character it's all under one house so they can go bonkers with this they can go a lot of different places which is it's going to be great to see how it plays out like i'm very excited to see this because the trailer it gave enough but it raised enough questions mm-hmm. that 
if you weren't excited about the show before, you're definitely all in. Oh, absolutely. You have to be. If, if you're a Marvel fan, there's no question about it. Like, you have to. And especially where they teased about House of M. I think yeah. that, that was the biggest takeaway. That was, there's no way that's just thrown in there for, for fans. Right. There's so, no goddamn way. So is Wanda the key to unlocking the X-Men into the MCU? I think so. I mean, this uh, you know seems as likely a place to get that ball rolling, where if you have something, you know, now you don't necessarily have to have Xavier or Magneto or, you know, Wolverine or somebody come out of this, Mm -hmm. but you can have something happen in this show, whatever it is, because I'm certainly not smart as hell enough to figure something out off the top of my head, but you can have something in this show that down the road in a, in a future movie, take your pick, whatever movie you want to end up bringing them in. You can tie it back to this and say, Hey, Remember that event that happened in the WandaVision TV series? This is this is how that person came to be. Well, I think there's a, a multiple routes they're going to go from this show uh, that I think you touched upon, too. I think the one you're going to hear about the introduction of mutants, or well, maybe they've been around and they've been hidden out of the timeline, a la, a la like how the century was. Could be. Ugh, I, I can't stand the century. And then you can also think about when Jessica Jones in the comics was wiped away by Kilgrave um, from a lot of memories as right, well. Right, right. It's going to be kind of maybe that same vein. And that's a quick way to introduce the yeah. X-Men back into the MCU yeah. whenever they're going to decide to go with whatever version we're going to get in the MCU. I think that you can also dabble around that there was a quick photo of Wanda and Vision holding twins. Right. And if you know anything about the comics, you know that Wanda's twins – Wiccan and Speed are part of the Young Avengers team. Which, if you haven't been paying attention, they're setting up for. They're setting the groundwork down for. Whether it's going to be a full-fledged movie nah. or it's going to be Disney Plus, which Disney I, think Plus. It, I think is – and I think that makes a lot of sense to Di- do Disney, Disney Plus, Plus. Disney Plus, but it'll lead to a, probably a major appearance in a future Avengers film. Oh, absolutely. Well, especially the, they did the announcement of Kang right. as a major bad villain that's going to come. Right. At, uh, Ant-Man 3 at the earliest – and then where he goes from there, he's not going to be a throwaway villain. He'll be the next villain of the next big Avengers movie. Yeah. Whatever story they're going to tell with that, he's going to be the big bad for that. Yep. So this is all starting to plant the groundwork, and that's the big thing, too, that Marvel now has an easy access point for the X-Men. Mm-hmm. They have an easy access point to start Young Avengers, which the, the writing is there, like we've yeah. talked about. Yeah. They, they've planted too many Easter eggs throughout the other franchises. This show is going to be that impactful for it. Even if it's going to be six episodes, which I think is very short, but I think they're going to tell a lot of story in that, too. I mean, that is the takeaway you have to have with this, Mm -hmm. that WandaVision gave enough. It's excited the fan base. Oh, yeah. No, it looks great. It looks great. And we knew that Marvel was going to come out with something big, that obviously with DC coming out with Fandom, and there's a lot of hype for DC. Marvel played it smart. They they were applauding about fandom which is good because we we've had this argument before and, and uh, fellow, a lot of our fellow podcasts and content creators have had this too you can be a marvel fan you can be a dc fan you just and be the, a fan and there are heads of certain studios that are fans of both i mean james gunn did an interview i want to say it was maybe two weeks ago now mm-hmm. where he said you know somebody asked him i might have been on instagram or someplace about you know oh is was kevin feige okay with you doing a dc film because god forbid you know, they do something other than Marvel films. Yeah. You know, but James Gunn basically said, no, yeah, he was ecstatic for me to do it. He, he James Gunn said Kevin Feige visited him on the set of Suicide Squad. Yeah, how and, wild is that? Like, the head of Marvel Studios just showed up and visited his friend, James Gunn, because, hey, he wants to see him do well. 
He wants to see DC do well. They've all a bunch of folks on both sides have said this before. They'll say it again that they want both sides to do well because everybody wins when that happens. And that's a big point too. We win as fans. I mean, it's great. Yeah. To, it's great to have debates as yeah. long as you have friendly debates about who's better, sure. Marvel or DC. Sure. But when it gets toxic at sometimes, it's like people really. This is meant for entertainment. Sure. Enjoy it. And with this trailer, they gave a lot to enjoy yeah. because there's a lot of blueprints that they're giving away for the future of the MCU. Mm -hmm. And this is where I think Eternals needs to follow. Yeah. Whenever that trailer drops, we know it's it's done. Yeah. It, we just don't have a release date for it. Right. Marvel is planting some seeds for the future. And so far, it looks very, very bright. Yeah. Final thoughts on this trailer before we close out? Yeah, no, the trailer looked really great. Uh, can't wait for the show to come out, and we might have a hint at when that's coming. Oh, do you, you want to speculate? Keep that ball rolling. Well, I'm just speculating. You know, I can't take credit for this one. I don't know anything, but this is just some stuff I was reading over the weekend. Uh, the folks over at comicbook.com have an article that I'm going to read from. Uh, it says, new, uh, new quote, new evidence obtained by the super sleuths at Murphy's Multiverse shows the programming code of the Disney Plus uh, currently has the release date for the Marvel Studios show listed as November 27th. Uh, as explained by Mul Murphy's Multiverse, there's a section of data on each show and movie page that lists release dates currently set by the provider. Though a release date has yet to be officially confirmed by Disney or Marvel Studios for the show, the Scoopers cross-referenced the WandaVision data, that's the information that says it's being released on November 27th with that of The Mandalorian. Lucasfilm previously confirmed the release date for the John Favreau-led sophomore outing for October 30th, something that's confirmed in this specific data set. Uh, it may not be entirely accurate, however. The same data set for Falcon and Winter Soldier has the release of December 31st, 2021 for the Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan starring series. Uh, close quote. So it's, it looks like this is going to be the case. And in regards to the Falcon Winter Soldier thing, not just you see this a lot i know with like video games and, and pre-order stuff that isn't out yet mm. but like doesn't have a release date yet that's just a placeholder yeah you know you can go you can go to amazon and look up a movie that's not out yet and if it's the if it's got a listing on amazon or even gamestop for a game that's not out yet and it, but it's announced but it doesn't have a release date yet you will see december 31st 2020 2021 so that's you know to be expected but if you believe the code, we might be getting WandaVision on November 27th. And that makes a lot of sense, too. I know we're going to get into one-shots about how Marvel has juggled around some release dates again. But for WandaVision, this could be arguably our only new MCU property mm -hmm. that gets released. Yeah. To drop it around Thanksgiving time yeah. would be huge. I mean, oh, that'd be great. If they do it on Black Friday, everybody's oh. home, everybody's able to watch. Yeah. It is smart strategy, so I'm down for it. And like we say, Marvel is definitely gearing up for a big 2021. Mm -hmm. And this is the way to start it off with WandaVision because, like I say, this is how the show is going to set the blueprint for the next two phases of the MCU. Mm -hmm. To what degrees, we're all going to have to pay attention about. So definitely stay tuned for that. But hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. WandaVision trailer dropped. What is your reaction? We need to know. Let's have that conversation. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Duke of Nerds. 
and leader of the Nerd World Order, Tyler Mack. I am your host of the 30 and Nerdy Podcast, and I am here, children, to take you down the path of enlightenment in our nerd culture. This ever-changing creature that is the Nerdiverse is in the palm of my hands. Follow me, children. Hey, this is Brian Wolf from Fair City Fire. You are listening to ODPH, the greatest podcast in Binghamton. Woo! Coming back for segment number two on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and we have to talk about a story that we have been following for a while. Uh We did predict this. It's kind of the writing was on the wall. Yeah. It was officially announced this week that the DC universe, as we know it, is no more. Yep. It is going to be transitioning to the DC Universe Infinite. Uh-huh. So, Pad, you got the press release. Let's yeah. read it off. Yep. So, the press release comes courtesy of the DCUniverse.com website. Uh, reads, quote, calling all comic book fans to explore the multiverse. DC Today announced uh, the evolution of DC Universe into DC Universe Infinite, a premium digital comic book service set to launch on January 21st, 2021. With access to more than 24,000 comic books at launch, DC Universe Infinite subscribers will also encounter digital first comics exclusive to DC fan events. Excuse me. Yeah, exclusive to DC fan events, uh, as well as a steady stream of recently released comics six months after the physical versions hit store shelves. Following its initial launch, DC Universe Infinite will be a, a will begin expanding globally in summer 2021. Uh, Quote, our fans love the platform's robust library of comic books and, with the transformation, we will not disappoint, said DC publisher and chief creative officer Jim Lee. I'm excited to share that not only will DC Universe Infinite members still be able to read all of the great comics that they've enjoyed, but new issues are debuting on the platform quicker than before. Digital first exclusives are being created, and the members-only events will begin as soon as possible. There has never been a better time to be a DC fan, close quote. DC's premium digital comic book platform provides members with an expanded collection of comics and original graphic novels spanning over the 80 over 80 years of the DC multiverse. Fans can also download comics, graphic novels, and originals for unlimited offline reading of on their favorite devices from a smartphone or tablet. Uh, subscribers will also have early access to new, new digital first comics that include titles such as Aquaman Deep Dives, Batman Gotham Knights, Deceased, Hope at World's End, Harley Quinn, Black and White and Red Injustice, uh, or excuse me, Black and White and Red, mm-hmm. Injustice Year Zero, Shazam, Lightning Strikes, Superman, Man of Tomorrow, Swamp Thing, New Roots, and Wonder Woman 84, and many more. Also debuting on DC Universe Infinite will be DC Universe Infinite Originals, including new comic content centered around beloved characters. Stay tuned for updates. 
Uh, says that then it says there will the fan favorite community area will be free to all registered and premium subscribers with a ca- full calendar of events planned for 2021. Current DC Universe subscribers will not need to create a new account as their DC Universe login will transfer to for uh, to DC Universe Infinite. For DC Universe subscribers who want ongoing access to premium DC originals, the special DC Universe monthly member offer to HBO Max has been extended. In celebration of Batman Day and the announcement of DC Universe Infinite, the special offer for eligible monthly subscribers to upgrade their service to include HBO Max for an additional $4.99 per month for a limited time is now available through October 30th, 2021. Uh, HBO Max will be the home for premium video content that will include new DC series, key DC classics, and DC Universe originals like Young Justice Seasons 1-4, through Titans Seasons 1-3, through Doom Patrol Seasons 1 through 3, and DC's Stargirl Season 1. Additional, additionally, HBO Max has ordered a third season of Warner Brothers Animation's critically acclaimed DC Universe adult animated comedy series, Harley Quinn, starring Kaylee Cuoco, who also served as executive producer during the first two seasons, along with Justin Halpern, Patrick Schumacher, Dean Laurie, and uh, Sam Register. Uh, Harley Quinn will be a Max original going forward, and all three seasons of the show will be available. Uh, finally, it says DC Universe Infinite will be available online at dcuniverseinfinite.com, iOS and Android devices for $7.99 a month or $74.99 for a year. That's $6.25 a month. On February 1st, 2021, every DC Universe Infinite subscriber, existing member, or those joining during the pre-order offer window will receive a special thank you voucher redeemable at the DC shop subject to terms and conditions. Annual subscribers will receive a $25 voucher while monthly subscribers will receive a $10 voucher. So this is the culmination of two years since the service debuted. Mm -hmm. So we got to remember September 15th, 2018. Yep. It was announced the DC Universe was dropping, and there was a lot of speculations of what this was essentially going to be. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to be a one-stop shop for all things DC. Right. You had original programming such as Titans, Doom Patrol, Swamp Thing, mm-hmm. and Young Justice announced for it. Yep. You also had all of the animated shows being yep. announced for it. You had comics being announced for it. There was a DC Daily show. And how this has gone on is... It was a blueprint to see if there was going to be a place for a streaming service for a comic company. Mm -hmm. So, Pat, let me ask you this. In the two years, let's break this segment down by talking about the good, the bad, and the could be better. Mm -hmm. What do you think was the good from the DC Universe? For me, the good was the animated stuff being there. Mm -hmm. As I've said before, I grew up when Batman the Animated Series was on TV, you know, and then, then Superman the Animated Series and then the new Batman Adventures and Batman Beyond Justice League and all that. So, you know, I, I love all of them. I've never owned any of them physically, you mm-hmm. know, just because it, they weren't really releasing them on VHSs when I was a kid, you know, because that, that, that was the media at the time. And then when they came out with, uh, you know, the DVD box sets, I, I, I wasn't really interested in doing it because I didn't have, you know, the, a TV to do it and mm-hmm. I didn't want to take up time on my parents' TV and what have you. But once I got my own TV and what have you, I just never got around to getting it. And I, you know, it was always sold out anytime I looked for it. I mean, to this day, you know, I, you know, like Mask of the Phantasm, you know, I know it was on DC Universe at one point. It's floated around a couple different streaming services. Sure. But anytime I go to FYE in our local mall, 
because that's a great place for me to try and find, you know, uh, movies that I've been previously owned or what have you. I, every time I go there, I stop and look for uh, Mask of the Phantasm Blu-ray. Just on the off chance somebody brought it in, to, oh, I don't want this anymore, and what have you. But the, So the great thing for me with DC Universe was having all of the animated stuff there. You know, mm-hmm. Batman the Animated Series and Superman and, and Justice League and all the other stuff. You know, so that was that the big selling point for me. And, and the comics were an added bonus. You know, I've always, like I said, I've always been a, a big Superman guy, but I've never read any of the classic stuff. For, so for a while, while I was subscribed to it, I was reading all the old stuff, mm-hmm. you know, from like issue one of Action Comics when he first debuted and, and for, I was going through them. You know, I think I made it to maybe like issue f- between 50 and 60 something. Okay. And it was real. It was real hokey. Let me just tell you right <laughs> now. Early Superman, real fucking hokey. Yeah. You know, but it was a big bonus because it, short of buying one of those giant compendium books that are like a coffee table book mm-hmm. and cost a fair amount of money. Like, what the hell am I going to do with that? That's something like I read once and all right, I'm good. That was the bonus for me with, with the DC Universe was I can read all these comics. And, any, and especially if something was going to be coming up for, you know, the TV shows or a movie and I wanted to get brushed up on it because I hadn't read a lot of stuff. I could sit there and go, oh, let's search out this this comic line. Let's search out this story. And let's brush up on it a little bit. Yeah. For me, it was the one-stop shop for everything I would be looking for as a fan. And I thought that for giving it a shot to see what it's going to be about. Because like I say, when we talked about this a couple of years ago, we didn't know what to expect. Right. This was uncharted water because – you really only had certain things getting streamed per se online. Like Marvel had their Marvel Unlimited mm-hmm. and such. And, you, I mean, you obviously have had different comic book apps that just stream right. comics. Right, But you never really had one per se, to my knowledge, and please correct me if I'm wrong on hashtag ODPH, that you had live action shows. You yeah. had animated. Right. You had comics. You had TV shows dedicated to your fandoms. It, it provided a, a hub mm-hmm. for fellow fans to connect and interact with. Under one roof. And for what we saw come out the gate, the one selling point for me was the live action, and it wasn't Titans. Right. I want to be very clear about this. I thought Titans was going to be interesting, but the fact that we were going to live in a day and age with a Doom Patrol show, Uh and if you've ever read Doom Patrol, Doom Patrol is not exactly traditional Uh in any fashion. No. But to see that they were willing to get a very big cast for that for that show, which, let's face it, Doom Patrol is not a household name, as I've just said. Right. To get Brendan Fraser, Matt Bomber, Diana Guerrero to come on there, Timothy Dalton, that's yeah. a big move, and that's a big flex for DC to get those actors to come join this show. Mm-hmm. To get that, to get all the animated movies, which for me, that was a huge selling point, too. Batman the Animated Series and, oh, and, God, yeah. and, and, and High Def, read about it. That's something I've always enjoyed. I've always tried catching up on the animated films, and that was a one-stop shop for me, too. I mean, I go deep diving on, on certain animated films. And to get the comics library, for me, trying to track down issues I, I no longer have access to. Right. That was a huge selling point, and especially for how well they were updating it. And I didn't think the reader was that bad as well. To see the experiment go, there was good. And like I say, it, it showed a lot of promise. Mm-hmm. I think as after it got started a few months into, I would say when Doom Patrol debuted, I think that's when they started hitting their stride. Yeah. But I think it was very tough for fans to compete with because you're having these shows strictly on your service. Doom Patrol was a hit out the park. Titans, which we'll get into a little bit, is mixed. Yeah. It wasn't the home run I think everybody was expecting. Your follow-up show was Swamp Thing. Right. 
because you had Young Justice, so the fan base was already there. For oh, that. yeah. That's why I'm jumping ahead to your live action. Swamp Thing went through a ton of problems, and that's why it was Some canceled. we still don't know. Some we don't know. Like, it's become the, the idea of legend. Like, what really happened? Mm-hmm. So for Swamp Thing to get canceled as it did was a sign that there was trouble. Right. To what degree, we don't know. I mean, this is right. my interpretation of events. Then they bounced back with the animated Harley Quinn, right. which was a pleasant surprise. Like, yeah. I have to go back and rewatch it. Yeah. But it did show, okay, maybe the service is rebounding a little bit. And Sure. I mean, and it was one that, it, at least initially, as somebody, like I said, I who grew up with Harley Quinn being a part of his life, you know, I, I, was, I don't remember much time because I was too young to remember DC stuff before Harley Quinn. I only know DC stuff with Harley Quinn in it. Mm-hmm. So on the surface, then I'm doing an, an animated Harley Quinn series. I didn't really struggle with that. I was like, okay, I get that. You know, she's popular. You know, especially with the movies the last couple of years, you know, Strike While the Iron is Hot. Mm-hmm. But then Kaylee Cuoco, I'm like, okay, I get that. You know, big name, household name might sell a few people on the series who might be a little, not real sold on it. But then to go, oh, yeah, we're going to make it adult oriented you know like an r rating i was like okay not sure about this we'll see how this goes yeah it was just something they were taking a shot with which i do applaud them for taking their shots and that's the thing that i have to say dc did a good thing with this and that'll be that was the legacy for dc in my opinion is they took a shot and there was they did good ideas behind it albeit though some didn't pan out no so pat let me ask you this then Mm-hmm. We talked about what was good about it. You said about the live action. You said about the comics. You yeah. said about the animated primarily. Yeah. And I agree with you on all points, too. I think it gave something for fans to see, and mm-hmm. I think in certain areas it, it knocked out of the park. Doom Patrol is a prime example. Mm-hmm. What do you think was bad or didn't work? Uh, I think what was bad was just how long it took some of the comics to get on there. Mm-hmm. You know, that for like cause that for me, like I think it, when I was last on there, it was it was the the Superman stuff because that was in Batman stuff that was the stuff I was primarily looking at was several years behind you know it wasn't just you know oh hey it's up to you know twenty nine it's up to like the first quarter of twenty nineteen you know it was several years behind mm-hmm. so that that I think hurt them I think the lack of because. That's one of the things with a new streaming service you have to look at. What are they coming out with? Not only that they properties that they own, but new properties. You yeah. know, so you know Disney Plus came out with the Mandalorian and you know the Jeff Goldblum series and all these other series. You know, it had a lot. They you know and then HBO Max and Peacock and all this other stuff. DC Universe. It was always kind of like okay, we got Doom Patrol, and we you know we got titans and it was kind of like there was such a long gap between anything new that it's like felt a little lacking in, in certain aspects no i have to agree with you too and i think where bad is when this debuted we had the titans trailer yeah that didn't help which if you go back through the past lineage of the odph you know Fuck much, batman you know we have a lot of strong feelings about this in fact when we got down to new york comic-con it actually kind of turned us off from going to that debut panel that night. Because mm-hmm. you could get in there for free. Yeah. It was, you, you didn't have to be, I don't. if I remember right, you didn't have to have a New York Comic Con badge. No, you go. just had to get in line. You just had to get in line. And, and, you know, that was kind of, and this was before anybody had seen it. I don't think any reviews were public yet. No. Uh, we had the opportunity and we were within well within walking distance of going. And I remember sitting there and we were having the conversation like, oh, do you want to go see it? It's free. And I was like. Not really. I go, I don't like the trailer. I don't, I'm not real sold on the idea. Mm-hmm. You know, 
I, just, I don't want to go to something and, and come out of it with a sour taste in my mouth to start off con. Yeah, it's just one thing. You want, Whenever you go to, like, New York Comic Con or San Diego, you have to go with the proper presentation. Like, it's just something you definitely mm-hmm. want to put that best foot forward. And the DC Universe didn't for that because no. that trailer was just bad. I mean, I remember hitting social media that night, and that's the only thing anybody could talk about. Which, yeah. I mean, to debut your streaming service, especially in one, of the big, in one of the biggest fandom events, mm-hmm. absolutely is a huge stumble. And the show is definitely not representing that trailer. No. It has its moments. It has some great moments, and it has some dud moments. I tried. Yeah, I tried. Well, I couldn't get through it. Yeah, personally. It, I mean, I've gotten through it and I get frustrated at times because it has the potential. Yeah. Like they did a couple good things in that season one yeah. that I'm like, why didn't they do this in the comics? Like I legit said that. Sure. And then how they ended it, they botched the landings. They, I, I, I don't know how they do this too. I, I don't want to go on a complete tangent. But for me, Titans finds a way to screw up those season finales. Yeah. And then their season premieres are let down too because they're tying up too much from the cliffhanger. Like, the cliffhanger should get wrapped up pr- fairly soon. Sure. Not 45 minutes into a 50-minute episode. Yeah. In my opinion. Yes. Yeah. I'm just saying. But I also thought it was bad in the sense that for what you're trying to do to entice fans to sign up for a service, whether it's the yearly package or monthly package, did you really get your money's worth? And I think that it didn't sell enough to really ignite the fan base. No. Because DC has always got those properties. They have Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, the trinity of all superheroes. Can't take that away from them. But when subscribers were not flocking there out the gate, I think it was a real telling sign. I think that for a lot of fans that unless you really bleed DC blue, Mm -hmm. it wasn't enough for you to say, okay, I'm going to give up eight bucks a month. Yeah. To sign up. Yeah. Like, for me, it was, but I'm a big fan of DC, and I'm a big fan of Marvel. Sure. And for this service, I was like, okay, let me give it a shot. Sure. I think, though, to sustain a fan base where you need to break into mainstream, Yeah. I think that it was tough. I think yeah. It was a tough sell. Even though they did put their best foot forward, I will say this. DC Daily was an interesting show. Sure. It had a lot of promise. If you're a DC fan, it gave you a lot of access. Sure. But to entice somebody that has to go, I have to compete with Netflix, mm-hmm. Hulu, mm-hmm. and the list goes on and on and on. Yeah. It's a tough sell yeah. to have content that stands up. Right. And, it, and it's a smart idea to have, especially the animated series, you know, even Batman, Superman, Justice League, even Super Friends. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of people who grew up with those. There are a lot of people that, you know, you know, you hear about folks who all oh, my Saturday morning cartoons were Flintstones and Jetsons and Huckleberry Hound and stuff like that. But for a lot of folks, especially folks my age, my Saturday mornings and in some instances weekday, weekday nights was Batman. You know, mm-hmm. so I remember very distinctly Saturday morning, go I got to go watch Superman, got to go see what he's doing. Yep. You know, to put those on HBO Max, that's a huge selling point because Oh I, yeah, huge. I remember when HBO Max launched, there was a lot if you go into any of the social media posts from back then, there was a lot of people going, "Okay, but where's Justice League? Mm-hmm. Where's Batman the animated series? Mm-hmm. Where, where's Superman the animated?" Like they didn't know DC Universe was a thing. So to have those properties on a streaming service is a huge win. Oh, it, yeah. It's a huge selling point. If you got friends who don't have the service, but you know they're fans of those series, like, hey, you ever wanted, you haven't seen Batman the Animated Series in a, in a while. You want to rewatch some episodes? Here, here's where, here's where you go find them. You know, before, and that's the hard thing with DC Universe is, yeah, you got people who are fans of those animated series, but you have 
the, some people who don't care about the comics, mm-hmm. don't care about the live action stuff. You know, so what you're trying to sell them on eight dollars a month for just a couple of animated shows? Yeah, it's a hard selling point for a price. But whereas if you put it with, hey, you got all the animated stuff on HBO Max plus all the other stuff they got. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting ploy to try selling. Mm-hmm. And for their loss is definitely HBO Max's gain. Yeah. And we all saw the writing was on the wall when HBO Max was announced. That yeah. You're going to have the big Warner Brothers streaming service. Yeah. So it was ultimately when is the the dime dropping on DC Universe. Mm-hmm. Because for all it, it served, it definitely gave a good shot in the arm, and it was definitely a good experiment. I think it lasted a lot longer than a lot of people gave credit for. Because after it got through the first year, it was like, okay, we're established. We're getting there. But I just think that once the change directed towards HBO Max, right? It's the writing was on the wall. Well, and even before then, you know, if you read the, the, the trades, the Hollywood reporters and the varieties, that even before HBO Max got unveiled, when uh, Warner Media was bought, mm-hmm. you know, or that merger was done with AT&T or whatever it was, the writing was on the wall then. Like, okay, this isn't going to last. Yeah. And how they've restructured, obviously, they did unfortunate layoffs yeah. over the past couple yeah. months. We all know that the future was shifting forward. So yeah. I would say, Pat, if you had the opportunity to restart DC Universe, what, mm-hmm. would, you, what would you have done different? Uh more original content ready to go you know maybe not ready at this set but have it do kind of like they did with disney plus we're like hey we're gonna we got man you know, remember what disney plus was hey we're gonna have mandalorian ready at launch mm-hmm. and here's all these other shows that are gonna be coming down the line because dc universe it's like oh hey you're gonna have these movies that are gonna cycle in and out you're gonna have all the animated shows, uh shows that you like a bunch of old tv shows that you like and including this new you know all they really announced was teen titans yeah. you, you got you're not teen titans uh titans yeah I would have had more announced in, in whatever it ended up being, you know, Batman, be, a new Batman Beyond season, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it ends up being, have more ready, yeah. have more for, cause that was part of the, part of the reason I was excited for Disney plus obviously the Disney vault and having everything back there, but all of the Marvel stuff, all of the, you know, the star Wars stuff and the potential for that. I was just like, Holy crap, this is going to be great. Yeah. D- if they would have done that for DC, DC universe and gone, Hey, we're going to do a new Superman animated series. You know, same voice actors as the original one, updated, you know, uh, animation style because, let's face it, that one's a little weird nowadays. But if they would have announced more, I think it would have gone a lot better. I agree. I think that if they came out the gate, it's kind of like how they did Fandom. Uh-huh. I think if they came out like that and had, let's say, three character properties sure. ready to go. You could have Titans. You should have had Young Justice ready. Yeah. I would say fully to yeah. go that drop. Yeah. And then do something else, like do a behind the scenes of whatever movie was coming out at sure. that time. Sure, sure. Like have have like a documentary show. Sure. I think if you had that, sure. I think you would definitely have excited the fan base enough, and you would have got enough mainstream fans to go, okay, what's this? Well, and then even have as many uh, films, you know, the the – you know, the Batman movies and the Superman movies and the, all this stuff, as many as you can that aren't going to be tied up on some other streaming service because of previously existing deals, mm-hmm. have them on that service. Yeah, you should have. And I think that looking back, that is a faux pas that might have been out of their hands, though. And I, you can only kind of speculate and play armchair quarterback about right. it. Right. But for what the DC Universe offered, they jumped into a very crowded pool yeah. of streaming services. Yeah. And unfortunately, they did not make it to shore. They jumped. In, they jumped into a crowded pool, and they were a little too niche. Yeah, which 
is the argument you hear from a lot of people. The more niche it is, the more direct your market is. Sure. But for comic book fans, it's tough to sell them on digital. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a very honest statement. Sure. Because what would you rather do? Read it off your phone, read it off your computer, or actually go to the comic shop, talk to people down there, go with your friends, mm-hmm. and have that social experiment. I mean, it's it's night and day difference to me. Sure. Like, if I can go down to a comic book shop, I go to a comic book shop. Sure. I don't like sitting there on my phone staring at it all the time and reading my comics. To me, you just you miss that feeling of camaraderie, of fandom. It's tough to do, you know, digitally, but you can do it. See, for me, I do. I, I like to do digital just because I've had way too many experiences, and this isn't a knock on anybody. It's just sure. the way. It's just the way my life has ended up. Where big comic comes out, you know, example, uh, the death metal. Okay. Any, any of the death metal stuff. I know right now, if I try to go down to the comic book shop and get that, with the way my schedule is and the way my life is, odds are I'm going to miss out on that damn thing. You know, I missed out on plenty of comics over the over the time that just wasn't able to get wasn't able to get there on time and by the time I got down there it's all sold out so then I got to hope they get another reprint and whatever whereas with digital I can just sit there, I can just sit there if there's something real big that I want that's like a landmark monumental type of thing mm-hmm. like they just had a uh, three jokers three jokers that's something like that I'll go you know what I'm going to go get that physically yeah but that's just kind of the nice thing for me that I can just sit there on a Wednesday and go all right you know, I'll, I'll, let's go through the app. I use Comixology. I go, all right, let's see what's come out this week. You know, because it's even helped me because they, they give you a nice little, I think it's like the four, first four pages. It kind of mm-hmm. lets me go, oh, what's, is this something I might want to check out? Like, that's how I got into the the current run of Spider-Man they're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, I obviously eight, issue 850 is coming. And I was like, oh, let's see what they're doing. And then, oh, we're bringing back Norman Osborn. I was like, okay, you got my you got me my interest. Let's check this out. Right. You know, and plus it's, it's just with me. I don't have a lot of space to keep up a bunch of comics, so it's easier for me to, to just download them on my tablet, and then when I'm done, put them in the little archive thing, and if I ever want to reread them again, I just got to re-download it. Yeah, like for me, I've always been born and raised on getting a pull list. Sure. But that's me. Like I like I said, that's how I used to do my comic collecting, and obviously, as you grow older, sure, you have to readjust a little bit, per se, of how many books there are and how much inflation is, and that, maybe we'll just save that for another show. Sure. But... That's one selling point, though, that you just have to say, okay, if you do everything digitally, you miss that. And I think for a lot of the hardcore fans, mm-hmm. that's a big aspect of going to the shops. And I and I fully support going to the shops. Hell, we say that every week before we end the show, mm-hmm. that you go support your local comic book shops. So to do everything digital, it's a tough sell. And especially to jump into a crowded pool, as they did, they fluttered. Yeah. I wouldn't say it was a full swim, but they fluttered. But ultimately, now it's morphing into what we all thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. HBO Max has a stacked lineup of DC properties. They coming. really are. I mean, from Green Lantern, Strange mm-hmm. Adventures, mm-hmm. the rumored Justice League Dark Show, whatever right. J.J. Abrams is doing. Yep. Harley Quinn has been renewed, which that's a huge move in their cap mm-hmm. because they were smart and they got it on sci-fi for a little bit. Yep. So they were shopping it around. Same thing they did with Stargirl. Albeit, though, Stargirl is now going to be strictly on the CW, yep. which we're going to get into that next segment. But for what they have renewed coming out, Titan Season 3, Doom Patrol Season 3, the DC Universe legacy, in my mind, is they have transitioned and they're going to grow from it. Was it a home run out the gate? No. Yeah, it was a ground rule double. It was a ground rule double, but they still were on base. And now they got to have somebody else pinch hit and hit it out of the park and transition it to go forward. We'll say to quote Brad Pitt as Billy Bean in Moneyball, did you get on base? And you know what? I would say 
the DC universe definitely got on base. Yeah. And where it goes in this transition phase is going to be interesting. I'm going to stick with my subscription for a little bit, too. I want to see what is the additive incentive sure. to stay on there. Sure. I do like the service when I read my comics. Sure. So we'll have to kind of see about that. Marvel Limited is offering a lot of deals, though, right now, too. Oh. you got to keep an eye out for that. I missed one because I was debating about adding that to the subscription. Gotcha. But I also like going to my comic shops. It's a tough dilemma, folks. It's tough. But overall, the DC Universe came. It was here. And it's transitioning. What is your thoughts on it? Hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPH, DC Universe Infinite. Are you down for it or are you not? And what was your favorite moment of the current incarnation of the DC Universe streaming service? We want to know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, guys. My name is JT. What's up, everyone? I'm Darren. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Josh. Hey, guys. I'm Christian. Hey, what's up, y'all? This is Dominic, and we're the East Coast Avengers. We're a group of five friends who get together weekly and talk about everything that's going on in the nerd universe. Whether you're a fan of Marvel, DC, Star Wars, video games, comics, or anything else nerdy that you can think of, we're the podcast for you. You can find us on Anchor, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or whatever streaming platform you use to listen to your favorite podcasts on. You can also catch us on our YouTube channel where we release tons of content such as vlogs, unboxings, TV and movie recaps, and trailer reactions. So if those things sound good to you, then check out the East Coast Avengers podcast. We hope you enjoy. This is Rich, the host of the Three Fat Nerds podcast and co-host of the Horror Zone 607 podcast. And you are listening to our hashtag 607 podcast brothers, the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. Now kick it back over to Ken Moneybags and the crew. Coming back for the third segment here on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and we have to talk about the surprise to some, but we've been calling this for a little while, Mm -hmm. cancellation announcement of the CW's Supergirl show. Yep. Now, Pad, you got the official announcement about this? Yeah, so uh, reading from an article on IGN.com reads, quote, The Girl of Steel is taking her final flight. Supergirl will end after season six, the CW has announced. The upcoming sixth and final season will begin production later this month in Vancouver, Canada, and is set to premiere in 2021. The final season will consist of 20 episodes. Filming on season five was interrupted by the COVID-19 pandemic after 19 episodes had been produced, making it the shortest season of the superhero franchise to date. So let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. The show has definitely gone in a lot of different directions yeah. since its inception on the CBS network. Yep. What is your takeaway from this? Uh, it's a show for me. It's a show that got better with age. You know, kind of fine wine gets better with age. Mm-hmm. You know, at first I I caught the premiere and I watched the a couple episodes after that, but I just wasn't liking it. You know, it just to me, and I know we've said this on the show, it was too bubbly. It was too sparkly and glittery and pretty, you know, which is nothing against, you know, Melissa Benoist or anybody on the show. It's just the way the show was written was wasn't great. And mm-hmm. and for me, well, and this you could, I've said this with multiple shows. 
I've always, you know, I've always been a big Arrowverse guy. You yep. know, if it was tied into the Arrowverse, I'm there. I'm sold. You, you got me. Mm-hmm. But if it wasn't, I had a hard time keeping up because at the end of the day, if I'm not going to see something pay off that's not connected to the Arrowverse, why am I watching this? Right. You know, so it, it's a show that got better with age, and I and I think we got to give it a little feather in the cap. It did have a groundbreaking moment. Like you mentioned, it debuted on the CBS network, I believe it was like 2015 or something like that. Yeah, it was 2015. Uh, they did have the first of its kind, that at least that I can think of, uh, inter-network crossover, because mm. season one, uh, the show was on CBS. Uh, it cross, She crossed over with uh, Grant Gustin in The Flash on the CW. Now, we should note that CW and CBS are c- corporate siblings, but they're not owned by the same people, you know, right. you know what have you. So, you know, this hadn't, to my knowledge, hadn't been done before where you had two separate shows on two separate networks crossing over with each other. Yeah, they do it on the same network all the time. Christ, NBC does it every other week, it feels like, mm-hmm. you know, but that was huge for them. And I, and I think that's something that you got to, you know, give them some applause for you definitely have to because when the show debuted in 2015 uh, it was not good i'll be very honest it, it came in with a lot of question marks because well, so the premiere was okay it borrowed heavily from superman but oh yeah very very much heavy and it was almost had that whole agents of field hey do you know that we're in the avengers hey you know we're the avengers i mean that's where shield i think really had yeah their, yeah there were problems but to see how the show progressed once it got moved and i think that was the smartest move they could have done because season one only had a few bright spots in it, in mm-hmm. my opinion. And I think the Flash episode showed that Supergirl needs to be on the CW. Mm-hmm. And it needs to be in this Arrowverse, CW-verse, whatever you want to define it as. And once it got there, it really took off. Yeah. I will say, though, it did start a little rough. Because, obviously, I remember when they were trying to do the whole Cyborg Superman storyline. Oh, yeah. And how that, just how, to hear how the Martian Manhunter gave the line, I'm Cyborg Superman. It's like, really? David Harewood had always done an amazing job as John Jones, mm-hmm. as the Martian Manhunter on the show. And I feel that as this transition goes, I'd love to see the Martian Manhunter roll out into his own show. But it just goes to show that when they were still developing and getting their vibe and getting their niche set forth of not being in Superman's shadow, it took some time. But they definitely started implementing more characters involved. This is the first time that we've seen the Legion of Superheroes get brought onto the show. Mm-hmm. They really stayed away from tying it into the Luthor family until later on when they started introducing Lena Luthor, played right. by Katie McGrath. You started teetering around, but you didn't go fully into the whole aspect of the Luthor Superman vibe. Mm-hmm. And I thought that helped them out a lot. They definitely showed that there was some room to play around in the DC universe. And for what they were doing, they even though when they got over there, they didn't cross over right away, which I right. thought was a smart move sure, to a degree because they were on Earth 32, I believe. Something like that. And yeah. then obviously they're on Earth Prime. It's the multiverse. It's DC Comics. We ain't got time for that. So <laughs> that being said, the version that we got of the Supergirl definitely had the Superman vibe to it, but yeah. she carved her own niche. And I think that that was something that Melissa Benoist definitely ran with. And I think to see her supporting cast really stand out and back her on that was truly a good thing to see. Like I see yeah. uh, Shyler Lay, who played Alex Danvers, who has definitely shown character growth throughout these series and is one of the best characters they've had on the CW, mm-hmm. really balanced out Melissa Benoist's Kara Danvers. And I thought that they had a back and forth for being sisters, too. Yeah. And they didn't really have the dynamic that you would figure, okay, sisters would be arguing, sisters would be teaming up. They played it off very smart. And for the, like I said, Alex Danvers has gone through a roller coaster of growth emotionally mm-hmm. on that show, and it's been flawless. It's been great. I fully approve of that. 
Yeah. It's been one of their bright sides, too. Another one is when they had Nicole Maines introduced as the first transgender superhero on the show. Right. Definitely groundbreaking moments that they've done on the show. Yeah. And even tying it back into where they were being so focused on the aliens now on Earth and, mm-hmm. and how that all plays out in the the dynamic because it's always never really focused on with Superman if you think about no. it. No. Because he's always, Kryptonians look human, so it's never have that point. But they really took a lot of driving points from that as they grew. And to see how the show has played out going into this final season, they've now started dipping a little more into the Superman mythos. Yeah, yeah. But as we've talked about on the show, once they announced that they were going to have the new Superman and Lois show, yep. the writing was on the wall. Yeah, we kind of figured. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter how good John Cryer has been as Lex Luthor because he's been amazing on the show. Yeah. It wasn't enough that the CW, for as much as they are pro-DC, pro-Warner Brothers, obviously, mm-hmm. they don't want to be the DC Universe light. They want to stand on their own two feet, and you had to figure something was going to give. Yeah. And unfortunately, it's Supergirl. But I think at this stage, too, it's ran its course yeah. to a degree. I mean, yeah. what else could you really do with a character? Not much. I mean, she, they were already borrowing very heavily from Superman's rogues gallery. Yes. And even, to a degree, some of his stories. So unless you completely start borrowing some stories from Superman's history and just repurposing them from Supergirl, there's really not much more you could do with it. No, definitely not. I mean, I think they've done a lot, especially unless they were going to go into the Justice League route, per yeah, se. Yeah, well, But it, that's a lot of crossovers. That's a lot of... Yeah, and if memory serves, I want to say Melissa's contract was up after this season anyway. Yeah, we've talked about that, that her and Grant Gustin have yeah. both been up. And, yeah, and, yeah and, Grant Gustin's up, and then Melissa's up as well. So this just makes all the more sense now that we hear it. Yeah, so it's definitely something that... We have been waiting to hear about, kind of trying to figure out, okay, what's going to happen and yeah. go forward. And they definitely have played this into a growing story that, yeah. okay, where are we going to go with the future of the DC on CW? Because this has been a transition year. Yeah. We have now seen Arrow has faded away into the sunset. Yep. We have heard absolutely nothing about Green Arrow and the Canaries. Well, I don't think it's going to happen. That's been off. They haven't announced it by... DC fandom, we were not hearing anything. Well, no, you're not hearing anything. And I don't think it's happening because, if you I mean, if you look to this article uh, on IGN.com where it says, uh, quote, the upcoming sixth and final season will begin production later this month in Vancouver. So that, that means scripts are already done. Mm-hmm. You know, however many are done, maybe they're still working up. Scripts are done. Pre-production is done. They're getting ready to go to Vancouver, do whatever, you know, testing and whatever else they got to do with C-19 going on. But they're ready to start shooting on this. Right. They are, and concerning the fact that we're, you know, the CW has said that all of the their shows are returning in 2021. I, I don't believe they've said one. They just said 2021. You know, so we're sitting here. Let's just round up and make it simple, you know, because we're sitting here at the end of September. We're, we're two months, just a little over two months away from that being the case. Three months, however you look at it. Mm. You know, that's not enough time to announce a show, do the scripts and get pre-production ready. Plus, on top of, of casting, mm. you know, and doing whatever else. Because, yeah, you've got the main characters, you know, brought in and, and whatever else. So then you might have to figure out the deals and rework the deals they got, you know, whatever that entails. There's just not enough time. Yeah, there definitely isn't. So the future of the DC CW universe is suddenly in flux, I would say. Yeah. I think that you have to really sit there and think, okay, the Flash is running on borrowed time at this stage. Yeah. What properties are going to really step forward and take over the main the reins? Batman so Beyond. 
Well, we're all hoping Batman Beyond I'm, is one. God damn it, I am. But you have to think about it, too. Black Lightning and Legends of Tomorrow are on make-or-break years, in my opinion, for yeah. the ratings. Yeah. Not that they're not great shows, but they definitely need to have a big ratings boost. Well, I mean, we've said before with Legends of Tomorrow, it's a high-budget show, and the ratings haven't been all that stellar. Mm-hmm. And they need to have a home run out of the park. I don't know if they can, though. I mean, that's something that, it's weird as it sounds, once you had Crisis on Infinite Earths, it's like the fallout where is the next phase, like in yeah. comparison to Marvel? Right. And especially now with Supergirl leaving, you know it's going to take over by Superman and Lois. So, okay, yep. so that's kind of an even wash. Yep. Batwoman is now in a transition phase in its own right. We're going to have a new actress playing Batwoman. Yep. Going to be a whole different new show, which I'm excited to hear about and, yeah. and watch. Yeah. The Flash, we don't know exactly what we're going to get. We haven't heard anything about renewals or if they're going to get canceled. So I have to say, I think they still last one more year, but... What do you do at this stage? Because now it's, are you rehashing everything? Can you tell another story without a speedster? Right. You know, what can you do with the character? I mean, the, granted, the character's been around for 80 years. Yeah. But I feel they've completely mismanaged how to use the rogues gallery. Yeah. Yeah, no, Flash is messed up. I, I think with Legends, it would be better. Obviously, last season was a bit of a mess. It was all over the place, and at times it was hard to follow. Mm-hmm. I think it would it works best if you kind of simplify it and just keep it kind of down to basics. You look at season one. Season one was amazing. Season one was great. Mm-hmm. You know, I th- but just keep it kind of can self-contained. You know, obviously jumping in the timeline, but like don't go all over the place. Don't introduce nine different villains or foils for them to have to defeat by the end of the season. Yeah, don't get me wrong. It was great last season to see all those historical moments. You know, Marie Antoinette being alive and then. Uh, Rasputin being a lot like as somebody who enjoys history and likes to watch a good historical documentary every now and then it was fun to see that it was yeah, fun. sure in Christ the Cisco thong song thing at the, in the season finale was the funniest moment of the year you know at least for me mm-hmm. but it was all over the place it was too confusing like if you if, if Matt Ryan comes back and is in his back for the next season of, of Legends of Tomorrow go bonkers with him do something with him mm-hmm. you know I the the Constantine portions of last season where they were f- kind of focusing with him and his stuff were some of the best stuff of that season. Yeah, absolutely. I think if you go that route, it'd be great. Well, it's a question they're going to have to answer because a lot of stuff is so much going towards HBO Max yeah. that you have to wonder what the future is going to hold for the CW. That right. Now you've had arguably your trinity of shows now, Flash, yeah. Arrow, Supergirl, Yeah. is two of the three are not coming back. So where does that leave you? And you have a lot of great characters on the show. Sure. So like I say, I you know I've always said that we need a Martian Manhunter show in in some way, shape, or form. I mean, right. David Harewood, I'd love to see resume as John Jones. I wouldn't mind seeing a Legion of Superheroes now live action show on the CW. Oh, that'd be great. I mean, you, you definitely have the characters to do it. I mean, Jesse, Jesse Rath playing Brainiac Five, you can definitely see come back. Yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing Nicole Maines come back yeah. and be a part of that team. That you have so many different elements from this show alone. Or even if you wanted to, to really bolster the roster of legends, mm-hmm. I think that would be a huge move. Absolutely. Well. So that all being said, I mean, the overall legacy from Supergirl, it, before we close out, I mean, the DC Universe is in transition. Mm-hmm. But not only on the streaming service, but it is now on the CW. Yeah. Let me ask you this as a twofold question. Sure. Final thoughts on Supergirl as a show. Mm-hmm. And where do you see the future of the CW shows? Uh, Supergirl was a, a show that got better with time, you know, and I liked how it wasn't afraid to push boundaries and, and kind of go into those issues that were a little touchy and might have some awkward conversations between friends and family members because, let's face it, it's sometimes at the end of the day, you got to have those conversations. Absolutely. And, and at times it might take seeing something on uh, on a 
television show that isn't news or live video for you to, to get those conversations and not kind of like pull out your phone and look down and kind of ignore what's going on on the screen. So I, I really like that. And I like the stories. Uh, as for the future of CW, I, I, I think there's a future there. I, I think there's a plan there. Otherwise you wouldn't still see uh, getting the Superman and, and Lois television show happen. I think it might take a bit for them to get there, mm-hmm. but I, th- I think they have a plan. I think there's plenty of enough stuff from Superman's rogues gallery that you can do and, and you can eventually build to, mm. you know, I think you can do a, a Legion of doom type of thing on that, on that show, on that network where you got, you got John Cryer as Lex. Let's he's been a very good Lex. He's not my favorite Lex, but he's been very good. Sure. You know, you, you, you've got plenty of properties there that you can build to a Legion of doom mm-hmm. type of thing. Now it doesn't have to be the one from super friends, but you've got enough there. I, I think there's absolutely something there, and, and I think especially some of the more recent stuff of Superman, they can have some real fun with that. They definitely can. I think for the CW, they're going to be fine. I yeah. think that there's enough properties on DC Comics roster yeah. to go around, and not everything needs to be on HBO no, Max. No. There's still ratings draws on the CW. Like We can't forget about no. that. So I think they'll be fine. I Wendell will hear some announcements, maybe not at New York Comic Con this soon, but within the next year, I uh-huh. think we'll definitely hear about what's going to happen. Because once these shows start airing and we see what we get from Superman and Lois and what we get from Batwoman and what we find out about the fate of Legends of Tomorrow and Black Lightning, we'll have a sense of direction of where they're going to go. Supergirl is not going to be a part of that, unfortunately, because obviously they're going to be tying up everything. But for what is transition from being the sugary pop CBS show to when they got to CW and took the grounds and really showed character development, especially in Charlotte Lay's Alex Danvers and her sexuality. We had Nicole Maines being the first transgender superhero on uh, cable TV, which Uh was amazing to see. And for all the elements that they took and ran with for being out of Superman's shadow and into its own voice, it has to be applauded. Melissa Benoist has done an amazing job as the character of Cara Danvers. So... Wherever the future holds for her, we don't know. And for some of these characters, like I say, I think you can fold them into another show, maybe even keep it going as a Legion of Superheroes. That's an easy fix. But for what Supergirl is going to be doing, it's going to be a wild ride to see how it finishes. I can't wait to watch. So hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What is your thoughts about Supergirl getting canceled, and what is your thoughts about the future of the CWDC comic universe? We definitely want to have that conversation. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Jimmy Gazdick from Crimson Brethren and Floodlands, and you're listening to ODPH. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. Pat, kick us off with the one shots. Well, we got, I had a whole set of things lined up, but I got to bump them back a little bit because we have some breaking news. Okay, talk to me. Yeah, so it is being reported uh, via Boris Kitt on The Hollywood Reporter that there is uh, new Justice League shoots uh, being planned. Wait, wait, wait. They're doing new shoots? They're doing some new new uh, filming uh, for the Snyder Cut. Uh, so it, Okay. Yeah, so reading from the article on HollywoodReporter.com, uh, says, quote, In October, director Zack Snyder will roll cameras for his extended cut of Justice League, working for Warner Media's HBO Max division on restoring his version of the maligned 2017 movie that he exited because of a family tragedy. The shoot, which will turn the Snyder Cut into a four-episode limited series, is expected to bring back Ben Affleck as Batman, Henry Cavill as Superman, 
in Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman for new scenes. Uh, also set to appear on the call sheet for what is expected to be a week or so. Uh, long shoot is Ray Fisher as Cyborg. And obviously that's no uh, close quote. Obviously that's noteworthy because of the ongoing saga between uh, yeah, Ray Warner. Fisher and Warner Media, yeah. which is its own whole ball of wax. But that aside, uh, we looks like we're going to be getting some new scenes or scenes that were planned and never filmed uh, for the Snyder Cut. Okay. Um... And this is partially shocking because it was re- yeah it was reported it was you know, nobody ever said but it was reported that Snyder wanted to do some new some filming for some new stuff in HBO Max or slash Warner whoever told him no but apparently that that was either true and minds have changed or that wasn't true. I got to imagine that maybe that wasn't true. Yeah, but I I could have sworn Snyder said that a fandom that there weren't going to be reshoots. I don't know. I have it. I have it in my head that at some point I read that there weren't going to be new yeah, scenes. Yeah, like I got that drilled in too. Like so, yeah. hearing this is it's eyebrow raising. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm still locked in to watch this because we've gotten this far. I gotta see how this all plays out with the Justice League, right? But the reshoots is very telling if you really want to look in between the lines and get uh, maybe a conspiracy theory going. Okay, that maybe we're not done with the Snyderverse just yet. I. I I'm just I'm thinking I don't I'm not your your region I, I might you're, be your region you, you might think so everything but. everything we have read to this point is said this is a one and done this is just to please the fans and get them to shut the hell up yeah but I mean this is a costly way to tell them to shut up that like I say I maybe I'm looking too much into it and I'll be the first one to tell you maybe I am maybe I'm stretching but I think you are because there's a certain film coming out that's going to reset everything. So <laughs> forget this whole universe. No, I mean, it's, well, that's if and when the Flash actually happens. I'll, I'll believe that when I'm actually in a theater watching it. Like that's my new mutants for oh. you. So, but that all being said, ah, uh, I'm something doesn't seem right there. So I think there's more to this than we're going to hear about. So right. stay tuned. Yeah. Dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Uh, so moving on to what I was originally going to talk about, uh, it was announced just the other day, and this was a mind-blowing uh, announcement. Uh, Xbox has announced that it plans to acquire ZeniMax Media, and with it, Bethesda Softworks. Uh, obviously, they are the creators and publishers of games such as The Elder Scrolls, Fallout, Wolfenstein, Doom, Dishonored, Quake, Starfield, and a whole bunch of others. Uh, it was announced, and I'm reading from an article on IGN.com. Uh, it was announced by head of Xbox, Phil Spencer, in an Xbox Wire post today. Uh, pause here for a second. Should note that the genius posted it to reddit himself <laughs> nobody scooped him if you, there was a post on the gaming subreddit that it from phil spencer so god damn it he scooped everybody uh back to the article uh microsoft will acquire zenimax media for the the small small sum of 7.5 billion dollars damn yo uh that is three times uh the 2.5 billion it paid for mojang and minecraft in 2014 uh and the formal purchase is expected to close in the second half of 2021 uh the deal includes zenimax media as a whole so that's bethesda softworks bethesda game studios id software zenimax online studios arcane machine games tango gameworks alpha dog and Roadhouse Stu- Roundhouse Studios. Uh, in a blog post, Bethesda's Senior Vice President of Global Marketing, Pete Hines, said, we're still working on the same games we were yesterday, made by the same studios we've worked with for years, and those games will be published by us. The move, Hines explains, is because Microsoft uh, is because Microsoft access to resources that will make us better, a better publisher and developer. Uh, it's unclear whether Bethesda will be considered part 
of or separate to the existing Xbox Game Studios vault. Uh, IGN asked Bethesda for clarification on that and the effect on its in-development games, including Starfield's intended platforms and the timed PlayStation exclusivity for Deathloop and Ghostwire Tokyo, but was told that we would be no co- there would be no comment beyond the existing statements given today. Uh, so, little updates to those. Uh, it was has been reported uh, that Bethesda will run semi-independently under Microsoft. Uh, again, reading from IGN.com, uh, it says the head of Phil, head of Xbox Phil Spencer has informed has confirmed that Bethesda will continue to run semi independently after the company's ex- acquisition by Microsoft. Speaking to CNET, Spencer made clear that while Bethesda games will adopt some of Xbox's new practices, including launching into Xbox Game Pass and become becoming playable through game streaming, the company will retain some of the autonomy that resulted into that resulted into some of the biggest games of all time. Uh, it's it is about the culture of those teams, Spencer explained. They're not about becoming us. So I think they kind of quell some fears. I know I myself had some fears that, oh, shit, you know, there's an Elder Scrolls Six game in the works. Mm-hmm. Is that all of a sudden going to be an Xbox exclusive game? I was telling people I think it'd be dumb if they did that. You're, right. You're missing out on a whole boatload of money. Um, you know, and I know in regards to, you know, the uh, it was brought up about the time PlayStation exclusivities. Uh, they Microsoft did say they will honor those exclusivities. So they're going to be exclusive for PlayStation for a while, and then they'll end up uh, going to Microsoft or Xbox at some point. But uh, no, a huge move for Microsoft. And there was some speculation and nothing really confirmed online that they did this after they weren't able to acquire Warner Brothers games. Hmm. So huge, huge move and very shocking. That's a big move. Did not see this one coming no, at all. Um, no, nobody did. That kind of just dropped out of the blue and kind of shocked everybody. And I know there's some people still afraid. I, you know, I, I realize that there might be some stuff. If if you're a PlayStation fan, there might be some stuff that gets exclusive for Xbox. But I don't think it'll be any different than back on the PS3, Xbox 360 days, mm-hmm. where I because that was my first experience with the Bethesda game, you know, playing Elder Scrolls uh, Skyrim, where they came out with DLC for that, and I forget the exact time frame, I'd have to look it up, but Xbox had it a long time before PlayStation did. Right. And, there, and it is what it is, you know, it's fine. You know, I think it'll just be some of that. There might there might be some stuff kind of like with Spider-Man being exclusive to the Marvel game for Sony only. There might be something akin to that for my oh you only get this thing on my on Xbox, mm-hmm. which is fine. I I think you know since it's not going to be in the Xbox Game Studios or whatever the hell that thing's called where they are exclusively Xbox, right? You know yeah, at Microsoft's footing the bill and they're signing the checks and they're helping them out and they're giving them access to stuff they might not have had before. I think it's going to end up working better for everybody in, as a whole. I think so too. I mean, this is just going to be something that when it got dropped on us, I mean, it completely blew everybody away. But yeah. I'm down to see what they're going to bring. I yeah. mean, that's the thing. At the end of the day, we got to see what kind of games they bring. Yep. Uh, and then lastly, we mentioned it in the first segment. We got to talk about some MCU shifting around. Mm, yeah. Kind of predictable, but yeah. yeah. It's now official. Yeah. So uh, it was announced today that Disney has pushed nearly basically everything it had left for the rest of the year uh, into. 2021 and they've moved a whole bunch of stuff around uh the only exceptions being uh free guy and pixar's soul uh so and it also affects the changes uh for phase four of the marvel cinematic universe so uh the ones of note uh, the ones you came here for so black widow which was previously dated to release of on uh, november 6th of this year has moved to april uh, may 7th of 2021 okay uh eternals which was previously scheduled to be released in february 12th of 2021 has been moved to November 5th of 2021 uh, and then Shang-Chi and the 
Legend of the Ten Rings, which was previously scheduled to be released on May 7th, 2021, has been moved to uh, July 9th of 2021. Interesting. Well, I mean, those are the dates they've already had locked in for the other phases. So mm-hmm. it's just a matter of, you know, replace 1A with 1B. Yeah. Uh, it's a smart move to do. Yeah. I mean, I know it sucks, and I think yeah. everybody was waiting to see, are we going to go on Disney Plus with this? Right. But I think that they're hoping that, obviously, with everything going on with COVID, stuff's going to be cleared up by then. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm not mad about this. No. I mean, is it frustrating? Yeah, it's yeah, frustrating. It's the first year since 2009 that we haven't had a Marvel film. Right. But when they come out with it, it's going to be worth the build. Oh, yeah. We got a lot of stuff coming for eight or Disney Plus. Yep. That more casting is being announced. Yep. So I think that as much as it sucks, we can't get to the movie theaters. Yeah. Safe than sorry. Yeah. And then once we get there, it's going to be the biggest party you've oh, yeah. seen. To go since Endgame, yeah, you know, which huh, who thought Endgame would have been the Endgame, huh? you know, no. but no, I mean, it, it sucks, but I kind of look at it this way: yeah, it sucks. Christ, I might have to redo my Marvel rewatch I just did within the last year. Mm-hmm. But you just think of how amped up and how excited and, and cheering everybody was for when when the Marvel logo rolled, yeah. uh, in front of Endgame, you know, and just what kind of feeling it'll be to finally be back in the theaters for Black Widow. And seeing and hearing that Marvel theme playing again and going, ah, we're back. Yeah, it's going to be the best feeling ever. Yeah. So I don't mind them pushing it back. No. It makes sense on a lot of different levels. It stinks that we don't get to see it this year. But right. if it makes sense in the end game, so to speak, no pun intended, I'm okay with it. Yeah. Because for Marvel, it is a domino effect. Mm-hmm. If they're going to come out with a phase, everything is lined up to coincide with everything. Yep. To skip it, like they're doing with WandaVision. I know we didn't talk about that in the first segment, but they are shifting stuff around yeah. to appease the fan base because WandaVision's done. Well, Wanda, well, WandaVision's done. I know Loki is getting ready to start filming again next week or the week after. Mm-hmm. And then I know Falcon Winter Soldier started filming again. But they're keeping WandaVision in 2020. WandaVision is not moving. Yeah. So that leads me to believe that, okay, if they're moving Falcon Winter Soldier... And then they also moved Black Widow. There's a reason for that. Something's in there. I don't know what, but if it wasn't tied in, or like, because if it was just okay, I get Black Widow's a kickoff of Phase Four. Mm-hmm. But WandaVision is supposed to be is in Phase Four, but it's also not apparently directly impacted by Black Widow. That like, okay, it can just come out. And it's no big deal. The fact that they're delaying. Black Widow, and then in turn, Falcon Winter Soldier. There's something in Falcon Winter Soldier that, like, okay, you can't see a, B without seeing A. So I'm making an early guess here mm-hmm. that we know Black Widow is a prequel. Yep. Falcon Winter Soldier is directly after Endgame. I believe so, yes. I'm going to go out and give an unofficial ODPH prediction. Okay. Black Widow's returning to the MCU. Ooh. Well, didn't they say that her sister's going to take over the mantle? Uh-huh. But I'm also wondering if they're going to go the comics route, and that's how they bring Natasha back. Mm, maybe. But if you're going to bring back the Black Widow in whatever facet you're going to do, mm-hmm. you ha- you still have the Winter Soldier, who is not going to be Cap as, as we're recording. It's still going to be Falcon to open up the gate. Correct. Would you think that... Black Widow would be trying to join whatever version of the Avengers we're going to have at this point to maybe maybe 
you know, come out of the woodwork that she heard about what happened to Natasha and is looking for answers? Maybe. maybe. I mean, it, based off of the trailers we've seen for Black Widow, too, isn't Ross in Black Widow as well? Yeah, which I... Which is uh, weird. Maybe it's something to tie in with that. I don't know. Spitballing here. Uh, I, I just... I just came up with another idea. Okay. Thunderbolts? Mm, maybe. But if, if you're going to do Thunderbolts, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll try keeping this off a tangent because I'm, I'm going to get really wound up. If you're going to do Thunderbolts, you need to do it like the Kurt Busiek, Mark Bagley run. Sure. I'm sorry. The latter incarnations of Thunderbolts just have not been the same. If you don't know about Thunderbolts, it is amazing. And I will say this. It would make a ton of sense to do the Busick Bagley introduction. Mm-hmm. Now, the question is, will they go that route? Right. And do the big reveal? Because if you don't know the reveal about Thunderbolts, I'm going to tell you to go to your comic book shop. I'm going to tell you to search it out because it was the last great comic reveal mm-hmm. that wasn't ruined by the internet. Right. Or maybe one of them. And if they do that reveal, I will mark out like a madman because <laughs> I don't want to see the Thunderbolts version with Red Hulk. I'm going to say this right now. If I see Red Hulk <laughs> in the MCU, I'm going to have Dark Phoenix anger, and it's not going to be good. X-Men 3 or Dark Phoenix? Oh, we're talking Dark Phoenix. I'm, I'm sorry. The, the idea – okay, Maybe I should just save this for next week and calm down and really get. Yeah, I'll say don't get don't get wound up here. I'm not gonna get wound up, but I'm just saying this. That would make a lot of sense if they're gonna try doing Thunderbolts. Yeah, and if they do the reveal. Yeah, as such, like in the comics, like the first team. Sure, I'm all I'm all in on. Sure, if they do the Red Squad, I'm out. I'm out. I'm 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 tapping out. I'm done. I'm yo peace out. I'm good. So that being said, let us talk about a Hulk I want to talk about. Okay. And that is we actually have She-Hulk casting. Oh. Out of nowhere. Yeah. What did I say? Yeah. Orphan Black's Tatiana Mosley. Okay. I, I apologize if I butchered the name. Is going to be cast as Jennifer Walters. All right. So I honestly didn't have her on my radar for this. I'm no. not. Ma- I'm not mad about this. I know she. Either. I know she's a great actor or actress. I oh yeah. Say. Orphan Black is amazing. Yeah. My sister watched the show and said she was amazing in it. Yeah. So I'm definitely in for it. I don't know exactly what we're going to do about the story or what. However, I just know. Ru- I just know Mark Ruffalo is all sorts of amped up for it. Well, I think he's going to be in this. Yeah, you well. would have to think. Well, he has to be at least for the first episode to explain how right. Jennifer Walters becomes. Which is going to be weird because of the whole deal with Universal and the rights. and ugh, It's a whole ball of wax. It is, but you know what? I think Universal's playing ball with Disney, so it makes sense. We see Universal seeing dollar signs, so they're not going to say yeah, no. They're, they're not going to say no. Anybody that's signed to Universal right now is like, you're in the MCU? Okay, here's the check. All right, go play. You're good. <laughs> yeah. I have no issue with that. Yeah. So no word about when the show is rolling out. I'm assuming we're going to hear more as the year is going on about mm-hmm. this. Yeah. So I'm definitely all in on it, and I can't wait to see what they do. I'm 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 really interested to see what the tone is going to be for this. But right. like the casting. Yeah. Can't go wrong with no, it. So like no. uh, like I said, I'm sold with it. Speaking of castings, uh-huh. one of the biggest curveballs. Yeah. I which I guess I kind of struggle with a little bit. It was announced today as we were recording that the one and only John Cena is going to be reprising his role of Peacemaker from the Suicide Squad. Uh-huh. 
on an HBO Max show. And I got to say, the promotional art they had done for this is probably the greatest promotional art I've ever seen in existence. Yeah, it looks like a John Byrne face drawn. I mean, it, it's like the old school uh, fa- uh, Peacemaker face with the helmet and everything. And then it just says, fuck, with the with a you know pound sign or hashtag if you're, you're a younger generation, where the you should be. It just says, fuck, it's, the, it's Peacemaker. Only on HBO Max. Yeah, it looks like his it's face so is good. It looks like his face is like what you used to see in the old Marvel yeah. Comics letterbox. Yeah. So that being said, I am surprised that they are doing this. Because, I am too because we haven't seen anything. <laughs> no. About Suicide Squad, we've we've only seen what was shown at Fandom, and that was like a behind the scenes featurette that you'd find on the disc two of your Blu-ray. Yeah. So the fact they're announcing they're doing that, and I'm I'm, I'm hearing reports it's a prequel. Okay. Which I guess sure. would make sense because sure. how do you know he survives? Sure. Said sure. Suicide Squad. It's sure. a Suicide Squad for Christ's sake. Sure. So that being said, uh, 2020. I'll just leave it at that. I mean, I, it that just, was not my radar at all. No, not on my radar. But I think it just goes to show that they clearly have faith in the character. Maybe they've, and I don't know anything. You know, it's not like when they were test screening uh, X or not X Men, uh, New Mutants, and mm-hmm. I heard I heard it was testing poorly. Maybe they've done some test screenings with some folks, and and people have really responded well to the character. I mean, don't get me wrong, John Cena, the person, a very personable uh, person. You know, very friendly, very easy easy to talk to. You know. Maybe maybe they have so much faith in the character and it's done so well in screenings that they're like, you know what, why don't we give this guy a run? Yeah, definitely worthwhile to see what Cena is going to do. I mean, obviously he's going to be the new face of the Fast and Furious franchise when they go into space. So, yeah. you know. Yeah, I mean, and the thing that gives me uh, confidence with the series, at least to a degree, is obviously i got to see the character and see how it works out before I fully sign off on this thing. But what gives me confidence in that I think the series should be good is uh, reading from an IGN article. Uh, it says, quote, Gunn confirmed uh, the Peacemaker series news on Twitter and revealed, this is the key part, and revealed he'll be executive producing the series alongside the Suicide Squad producer, Peter Safran. Uh, Cena will also co-executive produce. So the fact that you've got the guy directing the movie, co-executive uh, producing the series, and the guy directing the or one of the other producers of the film producing the tv series mm. that's that, that gives me a little bit of faith in it i got faith in it but i'm just really surprised yeah like I, i'm genuinely surprised at this i was like okay well why would you give that away before the movie comes out i don't know i don't get paid to make those decisions it's true and going to the comic book shops to close out this week mm-hmm. a lot of good stuff coming out yeah. marvel wise we are getting the debut book of X of Swords, Ooh. number one creation. So that's happening. And wherever that insane story is going to be, I know there's a Juggernaut uh, number one that's coming out to explain what he's been doing with Kroka going on. The Maestro number two is out. Marvel's got a lot of crazy books coming out. In fact, yeah. the cover for Star Wars Bounty Hunter number five is yeah. looking dope. But yeah. it's the man, the myth, the legend. I'll say, listen, you got you to ignore that. All, all eyes on focus for Star Wars issue number six. Vader via pissed off Emperor. Yeah. So that's, that's coming next month. That's coming next month. That's going to be the book to go pick up. Flipping over to DC, uh, I read this when it came out on Suicide, or I mean, Cheers of Comics does a weekly poll list poll of like what you're picking up. So shout out to Brian. I know he listens to the show. And Suicide Squad number nine. Pat, I'm going to show you the cover. Mm-hmm. Oh, Christ. 
And I know it's been long rumored that a member, a franchise member of the Suicide Squad is not making it out alive of this one. Uh, yeah, based off the cover, I think we know who it is. Yeah, so obviously Tom Taylor has been crushing it on the book. Yeah. And I'm going to say that that is my pick for DC this week. I know, it's crazy, no Batman. but No, there's so, not really Batman coming out this week. No, not really. I mean, I know there's a couple of reprints of trade paperbacks yeah. and such. And, and well, the, the, my pick is going to be Dark Knight's uh, Death Metal Speed Metal, uh, number one. Uh, quote, which is the description, uh, it's the Drag Race from Hell in this one-shot tie-in to Dark Knight's Death Metal. Taking place after the events of Dark Knight's Death Metal number three, uh, the Darkest Knight is after Wally West and his Dr. Manhattan powers. Thankfully, Wally has backup in the form of Barry Allen, Jay Garrick, and Wallace West. It's a knockdown drag-out race through the wastelands as the Flash family tries to stay steps ahead of the Darkest Knight and his Lightning Knights. uh, Written by Joshua Williamson. It's going to be a fun one. Oh, it's going to be nuts. Death Metal's been absolutely bananas. Uh So... Stay tuned for that. So much good stuff coming out at your local comic book shop. So definitely head down there and support them. And let me close out with maybe a little different bit of an intro today. Or outro, should I say. So if you've been following the ODPH on social media, you've been following 30 and Nerdy on social media. What up, Tyler? You've been following the East Coast Avengers. Shout out to JT, Dom, and the rest of the gang. And, of course, 3FN. Shout out to Rich, Ron, hashtag Big Nighty Cool. It was announced that we are doing the Crisis on the Infinite Nerd Versus. We did the episode last night as we were recording, and from what I've been told by Tyler, the episode is going to drop on Thursday. So definitely, if you want to hear a crossover episode with the East Coast Avengers, 30 and Nerdy, 3 Fat Nerds, the ODPH, and the one only Dre Driven, you got to go check out 30 and Nerdy and their social media and when their episode is dropping because you definitely want to catch it. It was a fun episode. It was always great hanging out with those guys. We're probably going to be doing it again sooner than later. I don't have a timetable, but definitely stay tuned for that. But where will you find out about all of that? Simple. OchoDuroParleyHour.com. It'll have the links for that. It will have the links for DMGathon happening October 3rd. More information about that is breaking, including we might have a replacement musical guest pad. Oh. So I don't want to give it away on air because we're not official just yet. Ah. You know, it's kind of like you're in the relationship, but you haven't made it Facebook official yet. Gotcha. We haven't made it official yet gotcha. because uh, there's a little shift up in the lineup. But for all that information, plus you can check out the other great bands you hear honored the ODPH each week under the musical directory. You can head over to the actual directory here about friends of the show. You can head over to find out about organizational links supporting Black Lives Matter and voter registration and all the amazing pod chaser lists that we are on with amazing pod groups that we are in. So much more at OchoDuroParleyHour.com. You need to go subscribe and go check out. That's all I got for this week. So for the one only Padawan J, hit him with it. I got to actually end one of my countdowns because after 68 days, Peacock is finally on Roku. So congratulations to them on getting that crap done. Oh, the curveball was thrown. Yeah, so uh, 68 days, uh, Peacock finally on Roku. However, 119 days later, HBO Max is still not on Roku or Amazon Fire. You can't stop the plug, folks. You can all hope to contain them. I'm your host, Ken. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Dural Parlay Hour. See you next time. (laughs) 